Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, David Stoker. That would make me make that would make me your other co-host, Crystal Sal. <laughs> Chris, how you doing? <laughs> I'm okay, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we are on Wednesday. Uh, we have moved on to minute number thirty-two. And this minute starts with David saying, Savick, and ends with Kirk saying, you don't have to believe, or something along those lines. (laughs) Well done, my friend. Um, So first half of the minute, we're still on Genesis. Second half of the minute, we've got uh, discussions between Kirk and uh, Commander Morrow. So let's uh, start with... What did they find inside that tube? Did they find Spock? They did not find Spock. Son of a... The movie's not over yet. We're still searching for Spock. We are still searching for Spock, but we found a clue, perhaps? Uh, Yes, definitely a clue. What did you think they were going to find? To be honest, I think I imagined being empty. Just completely empty. Completely empty. So not not even... So they do find clothing they do so david asks he says savik and you know she looks in inside we see some sort of black robe david asks a question that we're all wondering what it is what is it to which savik replies spock's burial robe right but you know i i have a question it's burial robe so it's we've seen this before we've seen this 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 outfit i think made it made an appearance in the motion picture when 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 Spock came back onto the Enterprise from Vulcan and when he got he caught up to the Enterprise and uh, came aboard I thought he was wearing this exact thing do you remember that yeah I'm not I'm not I, I remember seeing the robe in um, Rathacon you know when he's you know Kirk goes in and he takes over the ship and you know Spock says you know I have no ego to bruise but I don't I, I sort of remember him wearing something in the motion picture, but I don't remember it was this. Yeah, I'm I'm 99% sure it was this. And so I just chuckle a little bit that, you know, Savick says it's Spock's burial robe and not Spock's robe. Uh, because, you know, I have a bathrobe, <laughs> but I wouldn't call it my burial robe. <laughs> uh, but... I guess that's that's I guess to give it a little more context. This was the robe Scott uh, Spock was buried in, and now that's all that's left of him. That's all that's left of him, apparently. Um, another so letdown. Bad trekkies. Yeah, no, another letdown. Yeah, we got a well, we got another hour to go because they still haven't found Spock. All right. Um, but uh, I was saying that uh, bad trekkie here is that uh, I don't know what any of those symbols mean. Uh, yeah, I don't either. But, uh, we should probably find out. That might be homework for us to do, or perhaps our interns to do. <clears throat> we have some great interns. 
I think it says I heart Vulcan. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, or the, you know, the Vulcan equivalent of I'm with stupid, and there's an arrow pointing towards you know the guy next to him. Sorry. It's a very significant moment we're making light of right now. But yeah, so you think, so going back to, what did you think they were going to find? You thought empty, I, I, empty, empty I, tube. Empty tube. I, I suppose the other option would be Spock's dead body. Spock's dead body, right. Right. But I would not, I don't think I would have expected his robes. No. No. And I always, I've always been confused by this shot, this first shot of the robes. Because even though they're not on closer inspection, I always thought they were folded. So do I. I was going to make that comment as well. Is it looks like it's perfectly folded inside the uh, inside the tube. Right until David reaches in to pick it up, and then it looks all. Messed you see up. a full length. Yeah, you see a yeah. full length robe uh, laying there. Right. I agree. So, so there's a little bit of uh, it. It shouldn't be folded up for one. Just you know, based on what we know coming up, and. Um, so it makes more sense that it's all just that it's all mussed up, but right. uh, it gets more dramatic to see to see it and the symbols, which we all know what those symbols mean. <laughs> so <But>. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so you know they pick up the robe and they're they're you know Savick gives the line you know it's Spock's burial robe, but after she says it, they give another look into the tube like they're. Still expecting to see Spock inside the tube. Like they've picked this up, and then they're oh, it's the burial rope. Well, what else is in there? Maybe he left some loose change. You know, like I just find the extra look to be a little odd. Maybe. Yeah. Like, did we miss? Do we? Are they like? Did we miss Spock's body? <laughs> Maybe he's small. I have, ex- I have expect David to lift up the bottom of the tube and be like, "Is he under here? Did he roll under here?" <laughs> Okay, so one thing I've never noticed before. So yeah, the second look. I don't know what's going on with second look. Sorry, I just I. Yeah, what are they looking at? But uh, when David, the shot when David picks the robe up out of the tube. Yeah. You can see off to the right of the tube the the microbes. Those don't look like the same microbes to me. They look much bigger. Yeah. I don't know they... if it's the camera angle. Did you notice that? The... I, the, I, the only thing I notice is that they're not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I suppose there's that too. But they just—it looked. I don't know. It just maybe it's, it's a big pile of them or something. But right, they just—they yeah. look—they look different. They looked bigger, and I'm like, oh my god, have they evolved uh, in in the past couple of seconds? Are they evolving that fast that we can see them evolve? Which would actually be kind of cool. That would be interesting. So um, I had mentioned last minute, you know, uh, about the dirty pod. And I think we come to that moment where we um, maybe figure out how the pod got a little dirty. So as they're doing their second look, you know, to see if they can find Spock in the tube, um, the ground, you know, the wind starts to shake and the ground starts to rumble. So there's obviously some sort of earth tremor in the area. And I believe that that may be the reason why the pod becomes dirty maybe it moves or gets shifted and tumbles down a hill oh okay yeah but <laughs> my my question is is when we when we see and i'm going to go back to the end of con the beginning of this movie it looks like it's on and i think you said like hallowed ground it looked very flat very 
wide, flat area where there were no hills for it to sort of fall down. Yeah. And it feels like it's here. It's in sort of a little bit of a pit. So I don't... I'm going to go with the Tremors did it, but I I don't know how unless, like, the, the earth sunk in a little bit and it sort of fell into, like, almost like a... Not like a sinkhole, but kind of like a sinkhole kind of thing. Yeah, I think it sounds totally plausible, but you've you've conjured up some horrible images in my head. So... Yes, the tube may have tumbled right downhill, and, and we're going to see later on that there's you know the earthquakes and things you know popping up out of the ground, boulders popping out of the ground. You know that the, the, there's definitely chaos. Um, so it's I think it's totally plausible what you just said that some kind of tremor you know pushed the the tube up and rolled it down a hill. Right. <laughs> Which now that you say that, and the fact that they I never noticed before that they found the tube opened the it was partially opened now i'm like oh god should they really be looking around to see if Spock's body is somewhere on the on the hill that's (laughs) so i had that thought after after i said roll down the hill i'm like ooh, i'm like the tube's open maybe he rolled away (laughs) like kind of like now i almost understand why they may have given a second look to be like but they look in the tube they don't do like around their feet like maybe he's around here somewhere Right. And now they're looking for a naked dead Spock. <laughs> oh man. I'm glad that I'm glad the movie didn't go in that direction. <laughs> uh, did you notice I, uh, the, the nice touch here? So the earthquake starts, the wind picks up and the first kind of noise you hear is you do hear the microbes squeal. Yeah. They have a reaction to this, which is telling. Yes. Um, and as they should, I guess. Um, from what we learned later on, uh, so you do. So I, that was cool. I don't think I had noticed that before, but I'm like, oh, yeah, the micro the microbes reacted to the to the earthquake. Right. Yes. But we do hear something else. We do. We hear a cry. Is it a cry from the being on this bad set, or? <laughs> so at this point, so we hear the cry. This is we we know there's a life form on the planet. We know it's just Savick and David on the planet. Well, yep. pretty sure they're the only ones on the planet. And yet we hear this cry. So, again, audience, it's, it must be we must be hearing Spock. Right? Is that what you do? You remember if that was like, oh, it's is that, is that Spock? I, I, I have. That's what I think. I would have. Again, I don't remember, but I feel like I would have been like, oh my god, that's got to be Spock. But right. the the voice definitely sounds different, and it sounds almost like a kid, like a child's cry. It doesn't sound like an adult Spock cry. No. So I think I probably would have been like, what is that? That's not Spock. The pa- the pacing of all this is, is pretty good. You know, we, we just, we're a, mi- we're a minute and a half into uh, Savick and David beaming onto the planet, right? And in this, in this minute, of, and obviously I'm talking about f- screen, you know, movie time, and in this minute and a half, they have... They found the tube, the mystery of the microbes. The tube is empty. There's an earthquake. There's, and then there's a cry. You know, all of this stuff just like boom, 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 boom. You're like, whoa, what is? It's it's a kind of a lot to process and a lot to take in. And uh, so it's kind of fun that the the movie's starting to ramp up and uh, and then then they get this nice trip. Well, it it's ramping up. You're getting excited, and then they cut right. And now they're now we're back with Kirk and uh, Commander. Moreau, Moreau, 
I Moro, yeah. Moro. I never pronounced the name right. Um, and the first thing we see is, you know, a blue drink. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was making a note. I'm like, well, we, we, we've seen the blue drink, right? And we saw the red drink. Uh, but the blue drink, isn't it Romulan ale? Isn't that illegal? Well, that's now I'm like wondering, like, uh, I'm like, is this just a thing now? Like, is every blue drink, are we supposed to think it's Romulan ale? Or are they allowed to have, you know, other blue drinks? Like Pepsi and Coke are both brown. True. So I, I doubt this is Romulan ale, but I wonder what it is. Yeah, me too. But I'm also like, can't they go with a different color? There's other colors, right? Yeah. What's the drink in, uh, in cocktail that they make? Oh, my God. The Tom Cruise Turquoise movie? blue. Yeah, turquoise blue. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> this, now I'm picturing like a bartender off off screen. <laughs> awesome <laughs> bottles around. <laughs> Fantastic. And, well, you know, space it's actually Tom Cruise. It's space Tom Cruise. But there's space all cocktail. sorts of... <laughs> this, I will say this scene could have used that because the, the stuff you do see going on the back, you know, as, as, as Kirk and, and Moro are talking, and the stuff you do see going on in the background, eh, they could have punched it up. I could, I could use a, uh, I could use a bartender tossing bottles. Coming next season from CBS, Space Cocktail. You know, it's one. Guinan, Guinan never threw bottles around, right? Even though she was tending bar, she didn't. No. She was very zen-like, so she she wasn't into that. But I could see a need for that. You know, you come off a long voyage, you need a little breakdown. Why not head down to the bar and see a little action, see a little show. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, I'm looking for more colored drinks. Is, is my complaint in this minute? Blue drinks. I'm tired of it. I want to see a red drink, a yellow drink, a green drink, anything but blue or red. So yeah. <laughs> so we see. Um, so the first thing is we see is the uh, um, the blue drink, and I noticed that the cuffs on the I'm assuming waiter are also blue. Oh, the cuffs. So his. Okay. So his. So his turtleneck. I'm guessing is a blue, and I don't know if we've ever seen a blue turtleneck yet, because McCoy's is sort of like brown, you know. Spock and Kirk was uh, was white. Um, I think um, Sulu was like a tan, and um, Chekhov's was like a gray, but it wasn't like this blue. So I'm wondering if I'm a member of the wait staff, so therefore I have a blue, or I'm part of food services, so my my mine is blue. Uh, I think I think we should go with that. Blue equals well, craft services. I guess I would have said, but yeah, the food the food industry. There you go, craft services. There you go. <laughs> um, and then we see, uh, you know, we want to talk about awesome jackets. We see Commando Murrow, and he's wearing a sweet version of the uh, monster maroon j- uh, colored jacket. This is not a uniform jacket, but it clearly has his. Um, insignia on it with all his rank and medals and it is a sweet looking button-up jacket i would wear that okay it's i i I'm, i have to assume that you're being sarcastic here because this jacket a, is a little terrible. bit <laughs> it is it's very terrible okay. um it looks like it's some sort of suede uh the only thing i can think of is the seinfeld episode where he buys this the suede jacket and he's going to go out in the rain and it's going to completely get ruined um, yep, but the I don't know. It doesn't. So the one the one things that are great about the monster maroon, everybody looks good in them. You put someone in that uniform, and they 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 all they all look trim. They look uh, authoritative. They look military. 
this thing, he looks, it doesn't look like it fits him. Like it's even the right size. It's all like baggy and bunched up in places. And it's, it's a really, it's a distraction. A I'm, I'm, little bit. Yeah. <laughs> there's all the stuff on his sleeve. I understand that that's, you know, instead of wearing all their medals on the chest, they're wearing them on the sleeve, but it's just all this random garbage <laughs> on his sleeve. It's, it makes me think of a high school letterman jacket a little bit. <laughs> that would have been awesome if it had leather sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just I, I'm I'm not digging the jacket. I'm not like I like David's jacket. This this is kind of a, but it but it also makes me think of um, Next Generation because they had the they had those uniforms that they wore, and then I think somewhere I think during like the fourth their fifth season, Picard starts wearing like a jacket. I liked it. And Picard. this is yeah, I I, I did. I like the Picard jacket. Yeah, I feel like this is like the the first version of the of the Picard jacket because I think we see this jacket. Again, somewhere else. Oh God! Um, and it might be in, it might be in uh, the fifth movie. Um, and I think Kirk wears it. Um, what? Oh my God! There's, you know, there's so many reasons I, I, I don't I could like. Be, I could be wrong. No, I, I'm I not. I'm not. You are going to have to find another co-host when we do episode five. I can't. Oh, so do, no, wait a minute. Are no. you are you stepping aside? No, I can't. I just you, the movie's bad enough. You tell me, Kirk, where's this jacket in that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. So just to just to reiterate, Chris isn't going anywhere. We will do movie five together. <laughs> um. So there's a great. Sh- so we see Moro in his jacket. We get uh, our first glimpse of Kirk in his in the shirt we're going to be seeing wear now for two movies. Yep. What do you think about this shirt? I think it's better than the track shoot. Tra- track suit. Okay, sure. Um, I'm not quite digging on the whatever that thing is, the pleated front there that he's got going on. The jacket's okay. I mean, it's a simple enough jacket. Yeah. Um, you know, it's monster. monster almost. Uh, it's, it's. I think it's a little more purple than monster maroon. It's got a little more blue in it. Um, but um, you know the colors go well. I mean, it looks very casual. I'm just not digging the pleated front. Yeah. So to me, I've always, I've, I've been, I've always, it always reminded me of something. And I think what it reminds me of is the Sydney Opera House. You know the, <laughs> you know the all those. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> domes, but you know, that's kind of right. reminds me of. And I, and it's funny because this, for all the people, for all the people that talk about. <clears throat> the the uniforms the monster maroon uniforms uh, this shirt in some ways is iconic because I mean you see it on the you see it on the posters right yep. oh yeah and I mean the voyage home posters it's you know very prime pro, it's it just it's an it's an odd it's an odd one it's I feel like I feel like everybody knows about this shirt and knows the shirt but nobody talks about the shirt. Or maybe it's just because you and I haven't talked about the shirt. Maybe we, maybe maybe next guest we have on the show, we should ask them what they think about this shirt and what their feelings. Okay, are. yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, like I like it now, but I feel like I got totally sick of it. But <laughs> the end of Voyage Home. I think you know I I I'm not going to say I I think it's like the greatest shirt. Obviously, I don't like the pleats, but it's one of those things that I'm like, meh. I he can wear it. Like I'm I'm not like. 
because I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of Voyage Home, and I don't necessarily mind the outfit. Okay. Not like the tracksuit. Like if we had Voyage Home in the tracksuit, I think I'd be, be. That'd be bad. You'd be losing your mind. Yeah. So I feel like they, and obviously we're we're you know, breaking the the movie barrier here, but I feel like they needed to put him in something that reflected, um that he was uh, a Starfleet officer. And I feel like putting him in this sort of outfit where it's not quite monster maroon, but it does have a lighter color shirt. It, it almost feels like a uniform type deal. Interesting. Um, that's yeah, that's interesting. I, <clears throat> I wonder if that was a conscious thing you know, to make him still look like, oh, I, oh, I definitely think it was, I think it was, they, I mean, I don't think you could have put him in the tracksuit or a McCoy looking outfit because I think he would have looked ridiculous. He has to have some sort of a subtle reminder that he's the captain of the Enterprise. Right. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. I agree. It's it's yeah. it's as close to the uniform as you can get in casual wear. Right, yeah. yeah. That's what I think they were going for. Okay. I like it. Um, so uh, we get our first look at Morrow, and he says, No, absolutely not, Jim. You're my best officer. That's a uh, that's high praise. Yeah, especially from you are my, from the commander of my Starfleet. Best officer. Yeah, but I'm commander of Starfleet, so I don't break rules. Foreshadowing. Totally. Uh, right. So obviously, Kirk has asked something. I guess he's asked to go back, right? Yeah. I believe so. He's repeating yes. his question. Asked to go back to Genesis. Yep. Getting the shutdown. I have. I have I have a bunch of commentary not about what Morrow's saying, but the sh- it's the shot in which he's saying it. So it's now. Oh, really? Okay. It's the shot where now it's we're seeing both Kirk and Morrow in frame. Um, in the foreground, there is a a bowl to the right that maybe a space ashtray. I don't know. Yes. I don't know what its function yep. is, but there's another bowl to the left that has. I don't know what those are. What are those? Those peanuts? Are those space peanuts? So, I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> I thought they were space peanuts, but they do not look like peanuts. They do not look like anything edible at all. They look plastic. And you can even see Kirk playing with one. <laughs> can you? I didn't see that. Uh, oh, yeah. He's fiddling with one of his fingers. <laughs> so he's using the 23rd equivalent of a... Um, Fidget cube. Yeah. Oh, God. I was going to say that, that it was fiddle-faddle was what's on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just I, I think it's supposed to just be a centerpiece to the, you know, it's like the balls or whatever that, you know, people put on there in a dish somewhere. And it's supposed to be decorative, I guess. Okay. Do you think? Do you think that was a, that was Shatner who uh, made the decision to pick one of those up and play with it? <laughs> Oh, I totally do. I I bet you it was totally subconscious as they were filming the scene. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, I'm gonna touch. That's yeah, I'm gonna touch it. That's thing. totally not like they didn't like, you know, spot uh, McCoy. Uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy probably didn't go over to him. Okay, hey, pick up one of those things and start playing with it um, while you're listening tomorrow. Okay, uh, that's awesome. I, I bet you that was some one of those things that they probably you know were getting ready to release the movie and someone was like, hey, is Shatner playing with one of those things? Do we need to redo that scene? Like, no, we got it. We'll fix it in post. Somebody forgot. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. Okay, so keeping with this shot. So if you look now all the way into the back of the room, 
There's a, there's uh, over Moro's head. There looks like the United Federation of Planets, you know, ins, uh, insignia or logo. Uh, yep. But if you go all the way straight back on the wall, there's a piece of artwork hanging on the wall. Yep. And so I might be stretching. That looks to me like the space station from the beginning of the motion picture, the first one that gets attacked by V'ger. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Can you see it? Oh, I do. So I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I wonder if that is, you know, in-universe, if that's a model of that station. Um, you know I mean? It could be. It could be. Uh, which at this point, right, chronologically at this point, that station was lost, right, in, yeah. in the V'ger uh, conflict, V'ger event, whatever they might have called it in the history books. Um, and I think it's plausible, too, that it could be, you know, if you're you're in Starfleet, you, you I think it's very plausible for you to see models of, you know, starships. Lost or, ships. Yeah, yeah, lost ships, lost stations, whatever. Um Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's my, I don't know the name of that station, but that's because we haven't talked about the motion picture yet. <laughs> what? The motion picture? What? What? Which movie is that? What? Mm. And I think that's all I had in that, uh, in that, this one, this one shot. There's a lot to take in. Yeah. Uh, if you look in, uh, you know, front of the, the group of people behind them, they have another bowl that looks like it's just sort of decorative so i think it's just decorative bowl um but i do i i do think this is a good shot for not only them talking but things to look at in the background i think this is a great you know we're getting more of casual life in you know starfleet like this is obviously some sort of officer's lounge where they come and relax i mean this looks like a group of people with you know, uh, hanging out, maybe we're getting ready for dinner and there's a guy over on his left and looks like he's reading an iPad, um, you know, just sort of hanging out. And then when they switch shots, you see a couple other people. So this is a nice casual, you know, restaurant, lounge, whatever to hang out in, yeah. which gives us an expanded look into, you know, the universe. Yeah, absolutely. You get, yeah, more of, not behind the scenes, right? But it's kind of behind the scenes of what what's going on in, in the real world in Star Trek. Well, yeah. We usually we're usually on the bridge or in the engine room or transporter. I mean, those are the scenes that we we generally associate with Star Trek. Um, here we're seeing you know more like Kirk's quarters or uh, you know something like that. It's always good to see other things. Agreed. Uh, so Kirk's response to Morrow, pretty uh, for, for for a I guess a really a. a not a junior officer, a subordinate talking to his superior. Don't, right. don't quote rules to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, isn't your whole relationship established by these rules and this hierarchy? And uh, so he's pretty brazen with Moro. Yeah. But I think they're, you know, I think him and Moro are kind of, I, I want to say that they're kind of friends. Yeah. Um, They'd have to be. To I, 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 I want to say, I want to say that they are more, and I think we even hear that, um, in the next couple of minutes, but I feel like him and Moro are more than just commander and subordinate. I feel like kind of like him and Spock were more than admiral and captain. Mm-hmm. Like there was more of a relationship. Right. So I feel like he can say that thing, you know, sort of like, don't quote the rules to me. I'm talking about loyalty and sacrifice. One man who's died for us. Another was deep emotional problems. Do you, do you, so, 
he was doing pretty good there for a minute, right? Loyalty, sacrifice, one man has died. The other one's got deep emotional problems. <laughs> right? That's, that last argument's pretty weak. <laughs> well, I was trying to make his point. I, I know. I just, you know, he should have like maybe spun it the other way. Like started with, we got a, got a man here who's sick. He's mentally troubled. And, you know, another's died for us. It's loyalty and sacrifice. If you just spun it around a bit, I think it would have had more effect. But it just ended, yeah, ended I, on a weak note for me. Yeah, I feel like it's a definitely. It, I I agree. They could have either cut the line or they could have spun it a different way. Because yes, I, you know, I'm talking about loyalty and sacrifice. One man has died for us, and then they either could have cut it or been like, you know, another one is having, you know, his mind played with or something. You could have done something, but I feel like another has deep emotional problem. I feel like that's a little. <laughs> so that could be just describing McCoy's general state. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, well, I was just going to say, like, he sort of has. Exp- I mean, let me say the next line, and then we'll sort of. I'll, I'll give you my thought. So he says, uh, Moro says, now wait a minute. You know, this is this business about Spock and McCoy. Honestly, I never understood Vulcan mysticism. So I believe that Kirk has explained to him all what's going on. Yep. Like he's talked about Katra and that Spock is in McCoy. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know that sort of thing, and I feel like he could have even spun it a different way and been like, you know, one's died for us, and another one has, you know, is is merged with another mind, or, I, you know, the, you know, I, I, I feel like it, it makes even less sense to say another who has deep emotional problems, right. when obviously he has explained tomorrow about what's going, the complete story of what's going on about the Vulcan, you know, the the ritual and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it should be just selling it as, hey, look, we lost a really good uh, captain. I, we've got an opportunity to get him back. Right, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, I mean, go right there. Go straight to it. Um, so one, one other note I had is is Morrow is kind of delivering these final lines and the camera's on him. Uh, yeah. There's a guy reading a magazine in the background. So yes. So it's another, another occurrence of it. It's not an iPad. It's definitely a magazine. Um, and it looks like he's he's, you know, he wants to share it with a friend of his, like he's beckoning. Hey, you got to see this. Come on over here. Uh, is it? I actually think it's the waiter. Oh, is it? Oh, never mind. I think it's the waiter coming over to take his order. Okay. Um, now we're never going to be able to see. There's, there's really no. I I paused and I looked. You, you can't. There's nothing identifiable. Or no, actually, you know what? You are correct, Chris. Um, I totally dis. You know what? I sorry to interrupt you, but uh, so he does. He looks up. You know, he folds his magazine, he calls over to his friend, and then when you see him sitting, you see the friend sitting down, he's got a great uh, brown collar, so I, I apologize, it is not the waiter, it is a friend. And I wonder if it's the guy who's sitting behind Kirk. The guy that's sitting behind Kirk. Oh, is it? And you know what, I totally believe it is, because I think what happens is, is I'm, I'm totally playing Sherlock Holmes here, uh, Kirk delivers his line. You know, one who has deep emotional problems. And at, at the very end, before it switches scenes, you see the guy behind Kirk get up. He starts to make the move forward. Then we, we're focused on Moro, and the guy closes the magazine. And he's like, hey, buddy. And then the guy is finally seated. So that's what I think is the guy from behind Kirk has crossed over and is now sitting. Oh, okay. That's We are, we are de- space detectives, and we are getting to the bottom of the littlest details in these minutes. 
yeah, I totally wonder now about these two guys and their relationship. Like, what's going on there? What's their story? Uh, are they intricate to the plot at all? I don't recognize them. I don't think we see them later in the film. So this is just there. It's funny that you can take one scene like this and you, it's obviously an important scene in the movie, um, you know, where, where Kirk's trying to get, you know, get back to Spock. And we are focused on the most minute details of this minute, probably because we've never seen a scene like this before, where we see them sort of hanging out in an area where there are other people to discuss things. These two guys, you know, having a conversation, space peanuts in the middle, you know, that Kirk are playing with, you know, that that's fascinating. No, you're right. I think you're right. There is, there is a bit of that. Uh, we've never seen a scene like this before. And not just because we're doing a minute-by-minute minute podcast. It's also kind of like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. There's all sorts of things going on in the background here that yeah. it's got me curious. I want to see that. And, and I've, the, other, the other part of this minute is I feel like we've gone from fake Genesis planet to a real scene. Like this, to me, feels like a real live scene. Like we're seeing things go on in the background. It doesn't look fake. Um, and it looks natural. And maybe that's why I like the scene so much is because it does. It looks very natural. Yeah, I agree. So the minute ends with (laughs) (laughs) the minute minute ends with Shatner's line, Kirk's line. uh, You don't have to believe. And I think it's, uh, I just, I love it because it's classic Shatner delivering classic Kirk lines with that cadence. Um, are you a fan? Yes, no. So, on the one hand, I buy classic Shatner Kirk. You don't have to believe. I, I'm totally on board, but as he's delivering it, I almost feel like he's laughing. Like he's almost about to laugh. Do you think that was like take 10 or something? I have to wonder if that was like one of the one of the millionth times, yeah, they, they did the, the, you know, they do all different kinds of angles and stuff, and I have to wonder... If he was like, I'm done with this. You have to. You don't have to believe. I'm done. I wonder if Nimoy. You'd love to see some of the behind the scenes, right? Of Nimoy directing this, being like, either you know, trying to get this, trying to get this take the way he wants it. You know, do you think he was advising Shatner to deliver it this way, <laughs> or do you think he was trying to get him to deliver it not this way at all? Like, I don't want you to sound like. Shatner delivering those lines. Wouldn't you love to know? I would. That's yes, I definitely would like to know. So we don't have to believe, Dave. You are correct. We don't. That's all the notes I had for this one. Yeah, this is a good minute. I like I like discussing this minute. Yeah, I did too. Lots lot to pick apart. More than I thought for this conversation. But uh, all right, well, cool. Well then let's um let's wrap it up. And uh, be back here on Friday. Uh, in the meantime, folks, if you want to uh, chime in and let us know about, say, your favorite drinks in the Star Trek universe, love to hear about it, your favorite bartenders, uh, come on over to the Facebook Listener Federation, uh, join up and join in the conversation. And um, we're going to be back again on Friday uh, talking about Minute 33 of the Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.